Good evening, everybody. We are back for, is it the last Q&A for this month? For this yes, month. the last Q&A for this month, the sixth month, June, 73rd Q&A. We lots of questions. Again, we don't think we'll be able to finish most of them with sound theological questions. And in the last days, we need questions like that. Yeah. And we trust God we have the answers. We believe he will speak. And I pray your doubts would be cleared so that we can grow steadfast in the faith, in the knowledge of God. So this evening, before we before we begin the Q&A, also would, uh, like to tell Chirisi Hyderabad, remember tomorrow is our anniversary Sunday, so please be on time, park your vehicles at the top where you have the parking lot, and fast and come, because we are giving you lunch. <laughs> okay, sorry, eat well and come. Okay, uh, Don't eat too much after church. We need to go back home. Okay, So just pray everything goes off well, and uh, that uh, the guests who are comes also would be touched by the Lord. So we will celebrate 13 years are over. We are in our 14th year. So please come and bring. Nobody will be given an excuse to be absent. Everybody should be there. <laughs> Unless, of course, the pregnant moms are not able to move. Sabakirti, Sabage is fine, and Appu. Okay, but others. Okay, so we will pray, Pastor Vijay, and we will start. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Father, once again for this time that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for every opportunity that you give to us. That we could, Lord, come together, look into your word, look at the questions that your children have all over, from all around the world. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you would give your servant the anointing, the wisdom, Father, and the words that will be able to, Father, tackle these questions. Not only, Lord, answer the question, but also answer the questioner. You are able to do it. You are able to make every answer relevant to every one of us who is listening and who will listen in the days to come. Lord, I commit this time into your hands. Unfold your word to us. Show us your ways. Teach us your paths. And lead us into the way of everlasting life. Keep us from error. We thank you. We praise you. Some, some, uh, surrender this time into your hands, O Lord Jesus. Be with the equipment. Be with the internet, O Lord Jesus. Father, and let the transmission take place smoothly, O Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall start. So, question number seven, uh, Pastor. Seven. It says, Moses gave seven reasons why he wasn't the man for God's task. Without question, all the excuses Moses gave rekindled God's answer. Anger. Anger, sorry, anger. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. Basically, God was saying Moses has no right to make excuses. Do you think God becomes angry with any believer who limits him by a lack of faith? God doesn't get angry with any believer who limits him by faith. But you need to look at the context. Moses is different from any believer. Hmm. This is the baby chosen from the mother's womb for a specific task. Okay, very, and it's a huge task. Moses is, Moses is to Israel, the physical Israel in his time as Christ is to us. He's their savior of type of the Savior who will bring them out. He's been prepared. His entire life has been ordained by God. He goes up 
God turns it around. He's in the 40 years in the wilderness. And when the call comes, God directly appears and calls him. He's making all these excuses. And if you look at all these questions or excuses he makes, you know, the answer of God is always the same. I am with you. I mean, I am with you. That's the answer. I mean, when you, I mean, he's, he asked this, uh, it's a funny thing. I mean, we also ask these funny things to God. No, he says, uh, what if the people don't believe? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks very normal question, but you need to ask, who are you asking this? <laughs> you are asking God, meaning God already knows that tomorrow, today, whether people will believe or not, he already knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to look at Moses' questions and we suddenly learn from that. We are also sometimes so stupid, the kind of questions we ask God. Lord, you are telling me to go to Chandigarh. But if I go to Chandigarh, what if the people won't believe? He said, if I told you to go to Chandigarh, <laughs> I already know what is going to happen in Chandigarh, right? <laughs> I know the end from the beginning, right? I know it all. So if you look at Moses, he's basically, he has to, his excuses are because he still has not fully come out of the Egyptian mentality that which we also have the Egyptian mentality because we were taught in Egypt, mm. we were taught in the world that uh, uh, to succeed and to be successful, you need these these things. Either you need money, you need education, you need power, you need influence, these are the things. But in the kingdom of God, it is the opposite. These things can become a hindrance from leaning on. None of these things are bad in itself. But if it stops us from entirely leaning on God, it becomes a hindrance in the purpose of God in our life. Mm. So now that he has nothing, okay, he has nothing, he thinks is useless for God. But he doesn't realize now is when he's actually useful for God if he leans on God. Mm. So to every question God asks, is he asks God's answer is I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Just tell that I am sent you. No, I am sent you. And then finally, when every of his questions are answered, he still says no. Send somebody else. That is when God gets angry. Okay. After some time, God will get angry with us. Okay. He answers our questions. I am with you. The signs are there, right? He did two signs. Put your hand on your bosom and show through the snake. Signs are there. I meaning after all these things we have experienced, like in some way like Hebrews 6 says, after all this, you fall away. How can you be brought to repentance? I prepared you for this hour. I am here personally. You see, there are not just two signs. There are three signs, a burning bush that is speaking and the bush is not being consumed. Mm. Everything is happening. God speaks to him in an audible voice. Everything is happening. And he still says, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then God says, then he gets angry. Okay, that's when gets God angry. So don't bring it down to any believer. But a believer to whom God has manifested in so many ways. So many ways. And God was angry with the children of Israel also. Mm, yes. Okay, But that took a period of time because so many signs he showed them. And they were all supernatural signs. And they kept testing God by saying, can God, can God, can God. And then finally got tired and angry because, you know, uh, the anger of God is aroused when we are flipping on to the point of unbelief. Mm. 
unbelief. That is what is dangerous. Okay, And Moses is coming to that tipping point and God gets angry with him and he turns around and he goes. It's not that God gets uh, angry with every believer. Uh, it is lack of faith and unbelief are not the same. Lack of faith means you can have little faith. But no, the father has faith. He brought the child to Jesus and the apostles couldn't and he still waited and brought him to Jesus. But he says, increase my faith, help my unbelief. Now I believe that Alma, but lack of faith and unbelief, evil heart of unbelief as Hebrews 3 talks about. And we need to be careful about that. That's when God, God, uh, gets upset when we actually act like a Gentile who doesn't believe. Okay, and after all this is done, and you'll see what Moses rewards, and then things fall into place. It all falls into place. But otherwise, don't take it literally. God doesn't get angry with any believer who limits. Okay, but God can get angry also. Okay, God can get angry because it's an affront to his character. Like I said, you can say anything about God. At the end, you say, I don't trust you, you know, or any person. It doesn't matter after that one sentence, whatever else you say. You are so good. You are so kind. You are so loving. I like you so much, but I don't trust you. <laughs> okay. And God says, I don't care about the other things. Let us begin with trust because you need to realize every relationship, when do relationships break down? It's not because of issues. It's because trust is gone. Trust is gone, whether it is between man and God or man and woman in a marriage or anything, or parents and children, children and parents. It is not the issues. Issues can be resolved. But if a trust is gone, the issues won't be resolved. So that is the main thing, trust. You know? Can I trust you? So here, the question is, can you trust God? Mm-hmm. Can you trust God? That's an affront to his character. God does not change. He does not lie. And you can trust him implicitly. If he said something, he will do it. He will do it. No? And it's a trust issue. And then he's questioning, basically at that point, he's questioning God's character. You cannot be trusted. Send somebody else. I cannot trust you. And that is where we have to be careful. And putting it as, like I said, always see that. Uh, like I always see in that, when relationships break down, whether it is with man and God, when people fall away, and people fall away, it is because of trust. They don't trust God. And that's why the preaching has to be very, very careful that we don't give fanciful ideas to people, that people will do this, God will do this, and God will do that, and all. Balance it very well with Scripture. Okay, Balance it very, very well with Scriptures, because there is one side in the kingdom of God who preaches only till Hebrews 11.35. The other part they don't hmm. preach. God will heal you 100%. God will do to you 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. And when it doesn't happen, people fall away. Say, this God cannot be trusted. Okay, God cannot be trusted. Okay, and that is where we have to be very, very careful. And you will see that about in Moses, the answer which God gives Moses to. There is the sovereignty of, of God. God. Yes. Sovereignty. Can God heal? Yes. Does he heal 100% of the time? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's all got to do with God's plan, with the person and the times and everything. It's got to do with all that. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful about it because if we give a very narrow picture of God and it does not happen in somebody's life, then people who are, who really do not know God loses trust in God. That's why very, very, very when I minister to 
non-Christians. Because non-Christians are attracted to Christ because of miracles. Miracles, yes. And there's no guarantee miracles will happen all the time. There's no guarantee this miracles will happen to all the time. And that's why Jesus uh, refused after a point. He says, a perverse and rebellious generation asked for a sign. I'll give you one sign. The sign of Jonah. Okay, and that's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is your salvation. And uh, we need to be very sure people are genuinely saved. Genuinely saved. And once you're genuinely saved, if the other things don't matter, it still does not matter because you know at the end everything will be all right. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Boy, the sovereignty of God is like twisting the arm of God literally to that evil. And sometimes people twist and get answers which they don't want. Like the children of Israel. Hmm. <coughs> Pastor, this is a, there's a, there's so many doctrinal questions. Let's go into doctrine. So, so, so question number 11, we'll start with that and then maybe we can proceed from there. Okay. Uh, it says, uh, between the extremes of not believing in deliverance mm-hmm. versus relating everything to an evil spirit, wondering if praying to take the Jezebel spirit or Leviathan spirit is biblical. Okay. In fact, Bible clearly calls out certain spirits only such a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. heaviness, divination, etc. But Jezebel or Haman were evil characters in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Is it right to name them as a spirit of Jezebel or a spirit of Haman and as a prayer to bind them valid? Okay. Now, when we, when, like, you'll see the word Jezebel over there in the book of Revelation too. Is it the same Jezebel no. that was in the No. So when we talk about the spirit of Jezebel, we are not talking the spirit of Jezebel. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the demonic entity that possessed Jezebel and gave her that character, mm. that nature. That's what it actually means. Haman, we are not talking about the spirit of Haman. We are talking about the demonic entity that possessed Haman, which wanted to destroy God's people. Okay, that was the spirit of Amalek. Actually, if you know, God is at at, at uh, war with Amalek generation to generation. Yes. The Amalekite spirit continues, and Haman is from that. So, when you are talking about <coughs> spirits, all spirits are not the same. Demonic, so the spirit of fear and the spirit of heaviness are not the same. Mm. So, two different spirits. Both can be in a person or needn't be in a person. But usually they work in pairs, they work in groups, okay? Now, when you talk about names, the man at uh, Gadarenes, uh, Jesus asked him, what is your name? Mm. He said, Legion. Now, Legion is a Roman regiment. Mm. Okay. So can a spirit have a name called Legion? Can have a Legion? Okay. So what is that name? It's a name denoting the character of those spirits. They are operating as a large group. They are in formation. So when they go out also, they go together in a formation. All of them jump over this thing and the pigs are gone. Mm. Okay. So you need it. So we need to be very careful when you're looking up into that. The Bible doesn't say everything about the demonic. Okay. But we see pictures over there. There are, there are, uh, blind spirits. Yes, does that mean them, yeah. does that mean the spirit is blind? No, it's not blind. The spirit sees very well, but he makes you blind. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so God of this world has blinded. Yeah, this no, no. This actual yeah, blind yeah. spirit, yeah. which causes physical blindness in a person, is is that spirit is not blind, but mm-hmm. it makes you infirmity comes and makes you blind. Mm-hmm. The deaf and the mute Dumb spirit. spirit yes. That spirit is neither deaf nor mute, mm-hmm. but it makes, makes you, you deaf and mute. So what happens is, is demonic has its own characteristics. And 
and when it possesses a person, that person starts possessing those spirit, uh, that characteristics. So when we are using the term a Jezebel spirit, we are not talking about the spirit of Jezebel, the person, the soul or the spirit of Jezebel. What was the characteristic of Jezebel? Jezebel is a controlling woman. Mm. And what is the spirit of Ahab? Ahab is a weak man. Mm. So Jezebel is a controlling woman, spirit, which can come on a woman or man, but basically uses weak people, weak, in the case of a husband, a weak husband, to do things in his name, mm. and things she does in his name are always wicked and evil. So we talk about the Jezebel spirit, uh, they have spirit ruling over the US now. And we, we, we look at over there, we know Biden is just a rubber stamp. Yes. He's just a rubber stamp. He's a rubber stamp. He's just signing papers. Half the time he's not even coherent. He doesn't even know what he's saying. You look at him, some of his he doesn't even know. He's mumbling, he's brumbling, but he's over there. So who's ruling? Ahab is ruling. But who's actually ruling behind Ahab? It is Jezebel that is ruling, if you look in the history. The prophets are all feeding a Jezebel stable. It doesn't say Ahab's stable. Right. They're all eating. But they should be eating at Ahab's table, right? It should be told they're eating at Ahab's table because he's the king. Mm. But it's not saying God is very clear. They're not eating at Ahab's table, meaning the table is the same. Mm. But it is being fed by Jezebel. She is the power behind the throne. So you can see Jezebel's spirits can come into homes, it can come into churches, it can come into institutions, it can come into a nation too. It can come into a nation too. So these are spiritual characteristics. Mm. So when you are when you are fighting those powers of darkness, uh, you call them by name by recognizing through discernment the nature of the spirit that is operating. Otherwise, they won't go. Hmm. Otherwise, they won't know. You know. And uh, when you actually do deliverance, they have done countless times, and you do the spirits tell their name. They have names. They have names, and they will tell their names. You know. And Jesus, in this case, asked, "What is your name?" Okay. What is your name? And the question is, why did he ask the question to teach us? He doesn't have to ask the name because he knows the name already. But he asked the name because he's showing a pattern because deliverance is something, uh, healing and deliverance is something which he does for the first 2,000 years. The first and the second day I shall cast out demons and do do cures. On the third day I shall be perfect. On the third day you can be very sure when Jesus' millennial reign happens, there will be no natural diseases. There will be no demonic but sinners will be there. You don't need diseases or the demonic to become a sinner. If you're born in sin, the sinners will be there. Okay, so the third day he will show what perfection is in the physical. And no one will die young. You're talking about the unbelieving. Nobody will die young. Everybody will live up to 100, 120 years. All that will be there. So we need to understand here when it is talking to them is... Uh, we have to bind those spirits. Yes, spirits of fear is there, spirits of anger. Also, all kinds of spirits are there. And some of them have names. Yeah. Like when you're asking this question about, is it, and uh, we know so, such a spirit of fear, heaviness, divination, etc. Then my question is, what about legion? Mm. What kind of a name is that? What is your name? We are legion. Basically saying we are, but they name themselves as legion. Now, if you go to, let us say, 21 Sikh Regiment, what is your name? You ask the soldier. He won't say, my name is 21 Sikh Regiment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll say, this is my, my name. name. But they have identified themselves as a regiment, mm-hmm. as a name. This is our identity. So if you look at a legion, you understand the characteristic of a Roman religion, how they are disciplined, how they march in formation. How? Okay. So you're talking about one entire set of de- demons, 
in unity in controlling one person. And you see the state of that man. The state of that man. He's like nobody can like control him. You know, the state of that man. So we need to understand this. And the thing is that uh, when you do deliverance, you learn a lot of stuff. Lord, you learn a lot of stuff. Much of the stuff of deliverance is not, uh, is not pictured over there because we don't have many incidents. Book of Acts a couple, but Jesus' life a few is given. And you will realize that when the boy with the epilepsy, the, he was in the Mount of Transfiguration, and when he's brought to Jesus, the situation actually gets worse. worse. Gets worse. It gets worse. That's how, how, uh, spirits behave. The spirit knows it's going to get out, but before that, things get worse, before it gets better. Okay, so we need to understand that sometimes. So we we need to, these things are given over there so that when we do deliverance, when things get worse, we don't give up. We don't give up. Okay, we don't give up. So deliverance is a real, real thing. Deliverance is a real, real thing. Okay, so healing is also a real thing. So we learn from healing, we learn from this thing, why did Jesus Cast out demons and people got healed. Right? He, when the woman is bent 18 years, he says, Satan has bound her. He attributes it directly to the demonic. Satan has bound her. You know, Satan has bound her. And attributes it directly. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Pastor, it's impos- imperative, therefore you need to have a lot of discernment in order to identify or what, how is it, how do, how, how do you uh, essentially ad- um, identify a spirit and uh, what is what is the fundamental, if you will, of see it? The deliverance works in uh, different ways. One, we all have been given common weapons. The name of Jesus in my name, in my name. Then another common weapon is the Word of God. Hmm. Another common weapon is the blood of Jesus. These are three common weapons which God has given to every man. In my name. The blood of Jesus, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. It's for our protection and also offensive weapon. And the third is the word of God. Okay, third is the word of God. And uh, But then there is discernment. Hmm. There's a gift called the gift of discernment, the discernment of spirits. Okay, and when you're operating in that, you will understand like, you know, which spirit is operating. Because, again, you have to have discernment because you cannot believe them too. They are lying spirits. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. If their name is Thomas, they will say Matthew. Mm-hmm. And you try to cast out Matthew, Matthew doesn't come out because his actual name is Thomas. Okay, so you need to, I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. That's what happened with the Jehoshaphat and Ahab case. The lying spirit came to the mouth and said, you look at all 400 in, that, that was a legion. <laughs> that was a legion. In one accord, absolute one accord in unity, they said, go, you will win like this. <laughs> Drama, everything was over there, okay? So we need to realize how it works. Because that's why we deem discernment. There's one prophet who had discernment. So when he came, he also said, you will win. <laughs> then he had discernment. <laughs> <laughs> Other fellow did not have discernment, but he was thinking, okay, he never tells me the good thing. He never tells me. That's the first thing he told Ahab of Jehoshaphat. This never prophet, this guy never prophesies anything good about me. So for the first time he heard something good about him, he knew this is not true. This is not true. This is, this is a, it's a sarcasm. So, and they prophesy. The enemy also prophesies. All these gifts work in the enemy's camp too. They mm. prophesy. Remember, the prophets of Baal prophesy till evening. Mm. Okay, they prophesy. 
I don't know what. They should have recording of oh their prophecy. Oh I don't know what they prophesied. <laughs> <laughs> they must have said, now fire will come and rain will come. Baal, you are God. All the stuff they have said, nothing happened. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, we'll go into some more meat. <laughs> this is question number three onwards. All related to the gift of tongues. <clears throat> Uh, charismatic gifts uh, in general. Question number three. There are several slides. Okay, we'll go one by one. Uh, would like to Question validate number? three. First, mm. uh, would like to validate a few uh, liturgy used at Pentecostal churches, whether it's scriptural, scripturally correct or not. Being with being filled with the Holy Spirit is interpreted as a special experience or encounter, and is it that we need to keep praying for ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit? First question. Okay. First question is, uh, see, this is where the issue, basically, the div- division comes in the believing church. Let us talk about the Baptists and the Pentecostals. I'm looking at Baptist, Methodist, and all the mother of this thing. But we have to look into the Bible has pattern. Hmm. We have to look into the Bible has pattern. The pattern is Jesus always. Now the question is, Jesus was born of the Spirit. Was he baptized in the Holy Spirit till the age of 30? Simple question. No, he was not. If he was baptized, he was already baptized in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened at the age of 30? Okay, so there are two different experiences in Jesus' own life. Hmm. Okay, second thing we need to go and look is John chapter 20. We go back to the apostle. Second yes. proof over there is in the book of uh, Gospel according to John. You breathe 20. Okay. And words uh, 21 and 22. John 20, 21 and 22. <coughs> now this is the upper room. The day of the resurrection, evening, he comes. Okay, he comes. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also sent you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So mm. the simple question is, what is he doing here? Mm. He's breathing upon them. Receive the Holy Spirit. Is this the baptism of the Holy Spirit? No. 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 That is going to happen 40 days, 50 days from now. Mm. Okay. But he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them. So what is happening upon with them now is that now is when they are actually born again. They had believed earlier. But as the old covenant believing, they are not born again. You shall be born by the sp- water and by the spirit. spirit. The spirit is not released, has not been released, because Jesus has not been glorified. He has not been released. That is why, if you if you go a further, further, uh, verse seventeen, chapter twenty, verse seventeen. Jesus said to her, who is this Mary Magdalene? Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. This is when, this is when early morning on resurrection Sunday. Early morning, okay? And what we read a few verses later is happening in the evening. So between morning and evening, Jesus went to heaven. Okay, it is not like we are taught as if he ascended only on the fortieth day, as if he was wandering around for forty days without. That's not true. The first day morning he went to heaven. That's why he says, "Touch me not." 
I have not ascended. Go and tell them I am going to my father and your father. So what did he do over there? That is what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 9. He went into the Holy of Holies. He went to the mercy seat. He applied the blood of his own blood. And for once and for all, perfected all who are being saved. The work of sanctification. So he had three part work to do. One on earth, one in hell. And one in heaven. Mm. Now atonement is over. Work of salvation is finished. On earth, when he said on the cross, it is finished, it is finished. The Bible says he went to Peter, says he went to the prison where the spirit settled. So what work was there, we do not know. That also was done. And now he's gone to heaven. It is complete. Now that it is complete, he comes down and he breathes upon them. Now that atonement is good, man can be born, born again. again. So this, you look over there, they are born again by the spirit. Okay, 50 days later, they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' case, he was born of the Spirit through Mary. 30 years later, he is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Apostles' case, 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, it seems to have, it could have happened immediately, both being baptized and both being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Can happen simultaneously. Okay. Now, does it always have simultaneously? No, it does not. Depends upon what you believe and how you receive it. It does not happen simultaneously. You can't say in Acts 19 when Jesus, um, Paul went to that church, I think it's Ephesus, right? Yes. Uh, he says, have you received the, the Holy, Holy Spirit? Spirit? And they are called believers. Yeah. They are believers. And why did not they see the Holy the Spirit? Because of the baptism. The baptism was mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. They had to be baptized in water first and then they had to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in summary, it is the other way around. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they get baptized in water in a second. Okay, so the order doesn't necessarily have to be, leave it to God. But we have to accept there are two experiences and they are not the same. So as long as you accept, as soon as you're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, then, see, we'll have other questions connected with the gifts and all. The major issue with gifts is not the issue with gifts. The issue is with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a second experience, you will also deny all the gifts. Because you cannot have one without the other. And that is why they deny the gifts. You need to realize when one one entire school of good godly men and women deny the gifts, it is also, you go and look at them, everyone denies the baptism of the Holy Spirit also has a second experience. It goes us together. It goes us together. It it, it goes together. Okay, They say, no, as soon as you are born, you receive the Spirit. But that is being born of the Spirit, Mm. like Jesus breathed upon the Holy Mm. Spirit. Because I know it is true for me. I was born of the Spirit one time. And I got the baptism another time. For all of us, it was the same thing. The two distinct experiences. Why? Because we didn't believe. Mm. We didn't believe. I came through a non-denominational youth organization, which did not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I got what they had. They could not give me what they did not have. Okay. Then subsequently, years later, when I was part of a Pentecostal fellowship, that is when I realized there is this, this thing, and I asked for the God, and I received. Nobody forced it on me. I asked, and I received it. Okay. So we need to look at these two, two fundamental differences. And then, when coming over there, they're talking about the next next slide will say. Uh, yeah. is this no, no, there is, and he said that we need to keep praying for an ongoing, ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now we need to understand is that. Where does this come from? It also comes from the Bible. Where all of them filled on the day of Pentecost? Yes. yes. When the persecution started, did they go back to God to the upper room and pray and God filled them again, again with the yes. Holy Spirit and with boldness? Yes. Because you need to realize is that
that, it is it is like this. Our human soul, our human spirit is a container. It's a container. Okay. Now the problem with this container, this container is fixed. Container is fixed. We are not fixed. We are growing. We are growing. We are not fixed. The inner man is growing. Okay. Or he is emptying. You can put it both ways. He is emptying himself of self. So how I got filled in the beginning and how I get filled now, it's not the same. Absolutely. It is not the yeah. same. Because then I was full of myself and very, little. and very little knowledge of God. So how much could, I mean like I simply use the example. If this cup is so full, how much can you fill into it? Two spoons and it's already full. But now I keep on emptying. You bring the flask, you can fill it. That is this ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit. The ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit has got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It's got to do with me. Yes. And some people are still running on what they received years ago because neither have they grown nor have they emptied. But the challenges are increasing. So why? When the ch- when they started, there was no persecution. When persecution started, they realized, you know, what we received in the beginning, first dose, like uh, we talk about vaccination. Why do you need two doses? <laughs> because the first dose is not enough. <laughs> you need a second dose. And after that, you need After boosters. that, they will say booster boosters. is coming. Boosters, <laughs> boosters, boosters. In some ways, you know, the Holy Spirit, and if you look at John 3.24, yeah, yeah, 324. Yeah. Uh, 34, Pastor? 34. 34. 34. 34. Yeah, John 334. 334. Yeah, John 334. Hmm. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, because meaning, what does it actually mean? He gives the Spirit without measure. He gives. And who was the one who was actually filled fully with the Holy Spirit? It was Jesus. Yeah. Now the simple question to ask is, are we filled like Jesus? No. no. Can we be filled like Jesus? Yes. Hypothetically, yes. Practically, depends. Depends. <laughs> okay. okay. Jesus was filled with measure. He was filled with measure. If the Holy Spirit, hypothetically speaking, can you take the ocean and fill it into that flask? No. But God can, can God do it? Yes. Yes. In him the fullness of God had yes. fullness of God. Dwelt bodily it says. Bodily. <laughs> Can you take the spirit of God and put it into a man, the whole spirit? Uh, hypothetically, no. Uh, yes. Did he do it? Yes. The fullness of the Holy Spirit was in Jesus Christ. That is what it is talking about. An ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit, which is true. Which is true. It is not that, uh, we don't, Holy Spirit is a person, but it's also a spirit. It's a spiritual thing. Mm. Don't confuse Holy Spirit with power when it looks like petrol. I have run out of petrol. I have to fill more petrol. No, you don't run out of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you don't use and finish him off. He's not power. He's a person. But you can give more and more and more and more and control to that person. That is what it is talking about. When infilling takes place, it is basically people want to look at power. No, a person can be very little filled with the Holy Spirit, very little controlled by the Holy Spirit, but can have a very demonstrative gift. Yeah. And you can mistake one for the other. Yeah, they're not the same. They're not it's the not same. the same. Mm-hmm. Don't confuse gift with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Gift is a manifestation of the gifts which Holy Spirit gives. But filling of the Holy Spirit is you will show in how much the Lordship of Jesus Christ is actually established in a person's life. 
That is what the filling of the Holy Spirit does. Mm-hmm. How much does Jesus Christ control you? It's not got to do with gifts. A person can be full of gifts and have very little control of the Holy Spirit. So don't confuse one and the other. So you will, you will have to, we'll have to. And if you look at that, the rest of the questions will fall into place. Question number three, continuing, it says, mm-hmm. anointing is claimed to be a special and different based upon the type of calling. But the scriptures say below. In Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21, it says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit, uh, from the Holy One, and you all know. And 2.27 of the same chapter will say, As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it, is, it has taught you, you abide in him. Okay. But when you look at, you cannot look at just three verses, and but you have to look at the whole picture of anointing in the Bible. Okay. If you look at 2.121, now he establishes us with you in Christ, and anointed us is God. Yeah. But what is that anointing? If, if you go to uh, Luke when Jesus begins his ministry, I think it is uh, 3.14 or 3.18. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed four. me. Luke, yeah. four. Four, yeah. Le, four, four. 4.18 four. or 17. 4.18, yes. 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Okay. Now, what is this anointing he's talking about? In his case, you look at how the anointing is working. He has anointed me to teach, to mm. preach. Mm. He has anointed me to heal. Mm. Okay. Okay. So there is an anointing. What is common about the anointing of which God gives to all his children is to learn. Mm. When you're talking about to teach, it is basically talking about the anointing to learn. The anointing will teach you all things. What does it mean? You have an anointing. God, you can receive that anointing. Believe in that anointing. That the anointing will help you to understand scripture. Hmm. Okay? So there is an anointing to learn. There's an anointing to heal. Hmm. Anointing works in different <coughs> ways. The anointing is the same. Is the same. But the workings are not the same. Yes. If you go into the Old Testament, priestly anointing. There, there was a priestly anointing. anointing. There was a prophetic anointing. There was a kingly anointing. The functions are completely different. different. Yes, They were not completely different. So the question is, could a person receive all the three? Yes. So Samuel had all the three. Mm. He was a judge, practically a king. Mm. He was a prophet and he was a priest. priest. <laughs> okay, he was a priest. <laughs> but if you look at the anointing, but in Saul's case, it did not work that way. He was a king, but he was not a priest. God did not anoint him to work as a priest. On the other hand, you will see David actually functions like a priest. priest. Yeah. Okay. Functions as a priest. Solomon functions as a priest too. And David, uh, you don't hear one prophetic psalm of Saul, but there are plenty of David. Okay. So we need to realize anointing works in different ways. Different ways. Anointing works in different way. It is just not teaching. There's anointing to heal. Otherwise, why does it say if anyone in the church is ill, let him call the elders of the church and they shall anoint him with oil. Okay? The king was also anointed with oil. Is he being anointed because he's sick? No. But if he was sick, he could have, could be anointed with oil. Mm. But his anointing is, it's a symbol. Aaron is anointed with oil. Okay? Oil is a symbol of it. So anointing works in different, different ways. So we need to, if you go back to that question, yeah. 
Yeah, we need to understand that uh, type of calling. It's, a, it's a, yeah, anointing. It also will be according to the type of calling. Yes. But what is the common anointing that is given to all believers is to learn. To learn, yes, it is to learn. Because without the anointing, uh, we cannot learn. We cannot learn because, and in so many ways, that anointing is similar to the balm. Christ says for our eyes, so that we can see. Buy from me, balm so that you can see. The anointing opens our eyes. It opens our eyes to see things which are hidden. Otherwise we will not, because these are spiritual things. In Corinthians, uh, Paul will say this. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 9 onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Not nine. Chapter two. Two nine. Yeah. As it is written, for I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Yeah. <coughs> but God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yet the deep things of God. How does the spirit reveal it? He can reveal it through different ways, and one of the ways the spirit reveals is, is through the anointing. Mm. He teaches us, come further down. Right? For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the, the spirit, spirit of God. God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the the Holy Spirit anointing, there is the, I mean, there is this person and then there is this anointing. The anointing is not the person. And the person is not the anointing. But the anointing is by the person. Mm. Yes. The anointing is by the person. Okay, the anointing is by the how do we how do we explain it in human terms to understand? Okay? Because it's a very spiritual thing. Okay? There is this person of the Holy Spirit and there is this anointing. And when the anointing is there, it teaches you. The anointing teaches you understand stuff. Because these things cannot be. And people, that's what, that's what the Bible says, people who are not born of the Spirit will not understand yeah. even preaching. Mm. It's foolishness. It is foolishness. Mm. Or they will try to intellectually understand it. It's very limited. Because these are spiritual things. If you look at these things, we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual Okay, so that's how the anointing works. And we don't have an anointing, but you cannot be, have an anointing unless you're born again. And if you're born again, technically you should be having an anointing because the Spirit of God is now burst you. Yes. But the anointing has to increase. Anointing has to increase. Mm. The anointing increases, you understand better and better. So what happens? Why don't people, this is, this is the whole thing. Your anointing increases only when you understand your weakness. Yeah, because uh, anointing, is, anointing is to do things which is beyond your beyond, strength. Always your, beyond. Uh, beyond your you strength. have to always understand. Mm. Meaning, after a point of time, I can say, Lord, I don't, mm. I mean, without even unconsciously, mm. I'm not even leaning on this anointing anymore. I say, I know enough, I can interpret it, I can work it out. There is hard work and all this part of it. But anointing is different. Anointing is always you're dependent upon God. Yes. Without your anointing, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I need, Absolutely. I need a fresh anointing today. 
And even if you look at David, David was anointed exactly, three times. Exactly. Hmm. He was anointed three times. Hmm. He was anointed by Samuel, then he was anointed in Hebron, and then he was uh, anointed in Jerusalem by all of Israel. And three anointings he had to go through. Hmm. Okay, why did he have to, why did he have to be anointed three times? You will see each time he was anointed, the victories were different. And the, and the, and the responsibility and also increases, increases. No, increases over. No, so hmm. we have to look at it that way. And, uh, don't be dogmatic. When I'm saying whenever you study, on any subject, don't stick to a few verses in the New Testament because if it is there in the Old Testament, put it all together and we will get a full picture. But if you want to look at certain things which are only New Covenant, then if you look in the Old Testament for it, you, you should not deny it. Like there's no speaking of tongues in the New Covenant, Old Testament. There's no speaking in tongues. It's not there in the Old Testament at all. But there is prophecy is there. Yes, prophecy, yes. But tongues is not. There is no casting of demons in the Old Testament. Yes. It's not there. These are two absolutely new things in the new covenant. You shall cast out demons. You shall speak in other tongues. These are new covenant phenomena. So you cannot go through the entire 39 books of the Old Testament and says it is not there, therefore it is not biblical. No. Certain things are new in the new covenant because of the nature of the new covenant believer, unlike the old covenant believer. The old covenant believer was not born of, of the, the spirit. spirit. Yes. Mm. He was not born of the spirit. Mm. He was not born of water. We are not talking of the baptism of water because if it is baptism, then Old Testament people were also baptized. They mm. also went through baptism, John's baptism and all. But our water is not that. It is the word of God, mm. washing of the water by the word. James one eighteen and 1 Peter 2.21 says, we are born born of the word of truth. So that water is the word and the spirit. And that's how the new covenant begins. They're born by the word. They're not born by the spirit. The apostles, they they had received the word and Jesus says, you're clean because of the word, but they have not been born of the spirit because the spirit is not released. That is why he never scolds them. He is never mad at them because they don't understand. They're not born again yet. Then we'll say, how did they work on the miracles like the Old Testament? The anointing that was upon him, he just anointed them and under his anointing they worked. That is what Elijah also, Elijah, Elisha tells Gehazi, take my rod, go. Meaning, go under my anointing. Well, it does not work in that case. If he hadn't, he probably it has worked many times. Yeah, Gehazi, otherwise, yeah, otherwise it is not, okay? So Gehazi could go with Elisha. Is it his anointing? No. It is Elisha's anointing, which has transferred it upon uh, Gehazi for a season. Go do it and come back. It, it won't work all the time. In the same way, Jesus is sending them. Go. Preach the kingdom. Cast out the demons, heal the sick. Now they are going under his anointing and it works and they come back excited. They say, don't get excited about all that. If that was enough, Hmm. that was not enough. It Hmm. ceased. Hmm. For them it ceased because Jesus died and he rose and is gone. Now they are going to go out like he went. Hmm. Okay? He says, as the Father sent me, I am going to send you. What is, how did the Father send him? Born of the Spirit. And then at the age of 30, anointed, baptized in the Holy Spirit. So he says, and the second thing you need to ask is that, receive the Spirit. And they received the Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why did he tell them to wait in Jerusalem? Mm. Yes. If it's not a subsequent experience. He mm. said, wait in Jerusalem and you shall receive power. Mm. So you will see the pattern is still the same. But now, after the day of Pentecost, the thing is that both can happen together. Like on Cornelius. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it can also happen where you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit first and get 
baptized in the water second. Like you come for a meeting. You are an unbeliever. You come for a meeting. It's a very powerful meeting. You get saved and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You start speaking in tongues. You start prophesying. Then you realize you are not baptized. And the pastor says, it's new. Okay, you need to get baptized. You need to get baptized. It happens all yes, over the right. All the time it happens. People just get baptized in the Holy Spirit first and then they get their baptized because you cannot limit the Spirit. He does what he wants to do. Nobody tells him what to do. You can manipulate the gift whichever you want, but you can never manipulate the Spirit. It's not possible to manipulate the Spirit. Yes, again, best of it. Again, continue. that off? Yeah. Continuing on, this, uh, on the same question, it says... Um, uh, question uh, question is asking charismatic movements also insist on hearing from god directly or direct revelations as mandatory apart from the revelation through scripture i do agree in certain situations to find the will of god in a certain matter this may apply is tuning to the voice voice of god etc is biblical in this context okay you have to look at what the word says turn with me to the book of hebrews the new covenant, okay? Chapter 8, verse 10, and verse 11. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. The house of Israel here, he is talking about the church. I'll put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Mm. Verse 11, none of them shall teach his neighbor, none of his brothers saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. In the new covenant, the difference is everyone personally knows God. Yes. Everyone personally knows God, has to know God. Everyone personally hears from God. If you don't hear from God, it's only because you didn't listen. But there's a God who speaks. It's basically, uh, unlike the old covenant, in the new covenant we are born of the Spirit. And in everyone the Spirit of God is there. And the Spirit of God speaks. He will speak through different ways. He speaks through different ways. But He speaks to everybody. So, when they say, charismatic movements insist on hearing from God directly, yes. Otherwise, then your Bible study is in vain. Your morning devotion is in vain. All that is in vain if you're not hearing from God, where God is. I'm not talking about a visible, this thing and all that. So we're a rare and apart. But there's a common way in which God speaks to all his children. And in the new covenant, in the old covenant, that wasn't there. They had to hear from somebody else. That's why they needed a Moses. They needed an Elijah. They needed an Elisha. They were not. But now that is not the, the, the case. God spoke in the past through his prophets. Then he spoke to us through his son. Now he speaks to us individually through his spirit. He speaks. So when charismatic, because charismatic movements are entirely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So they will insist that each one need to hear from God. Okay, But for protection, the Bible says, uh, test. Test what you hear. Okay, You don't go by just what you hear. There's always... There is always a test to see you don't err, okay? Because scripture is not for private, uh, private interpretation. interpretation. But the whole thing is that, um, even to the Baptists, the non-Pentecostals, I hear if you go ask any pastor, a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, genuine man of God, and ask him, uh, why are you in ministry? What will be his answer? God called me. How did God call you? Mm. How did God call you? You don't believe in God speaking personally, right? How did God call you? 
See, you cannot have both. Mm-hmm. Okay. So God speaks. Exactly. God speaks. The Baptist also believes God speaks to him. <laughs> the Presbyterian also believes that God speaks to him. The Protestants, okay, they all believe God speaks to him. Okay, so we have a very personal God who speaks. But, and the thing is that over there, uh, from directly or direct revelations as mandatory, apart from the revelation through the scriptures, mandatory in the sense like, if I have an issue in my life, who else will speak to me? There are things which are common to all of us. And we don't need a revelation from the Holy Spirit usually because scripture is clear and you hear from the pulpit the scripture. But when it comes to Rajas and issue, who speaks to him? Who speaks to him? We need guidance, right? We need guidance. Who speaks to you? This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. Who speaks to you? Because he, he cannot call us and say, we are there. He cannot call us pastor. I'm going through a, uh, I need to make a decision. Would you tell me what? What we can actually give him is scriptural counsel. But sometimes counsel is not enough. It is a definite decision has yeah, to be okay. made. Yes. Counsel is not it. Counsel will only give you basically, uh, protective what you, guidelines. Protective yeah. guidelines. Yes. Okay. Yes or no. The pros and, and the, the cons. cons. It's, it's, that's the way it will give you. Yeah. But sometimes that is not enough. You need a definite decision to take. Let us say, have a job. Job. Kiss Google and Amazon. He's working for Amazon and Google is offering. Pastor, what should I do? <laughs> pastor will, will say, what will Pastor say? How is your work environment in Amazon? How does it change in Google? Which is your better pay package? What is your working hours? These are all part of counsel. But he's still not satisfied. <laughs> He still, not he still, need he still needs because you know it is his destiny. It mm. is his life, mm. and like I said, life is limited to time, and he cannot make a wrong decision Can't because be you know if you are a child of God, oh, he cannot boy. make a wrong decision. <laughs> so he needs to hear, and he cannot go based on what Pastor Vijay says or I says. Okay, even though it sounds very good and all, he's still not able to take a decision, and he goes to God, and God says, "Take this." Mm. How he speaks to different ways he can speak. Different ways. Maybe it, is, it is so pivotal to a believer. believer. That he should, it is imperative that he but hears from The simple God. thing is that mm-hmm. is this. Mm-hmm. Is God your father? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you his child? Do fathers speak to children? Mm-hmm. He does. He does. No? And it is not just charismatic movements. Actually, if you look at it, every movement says you hear from God. Okay. Only Catholic just doesn't want you to hear from God because they lose control over you. In the first place, they don't hear from God. Expect the charismatics in the Catholic Church to hear from God. They're pretty, pretty solid, some of them. Pretty solid. But most of them don't hear from God, so they have rituals, they have this thing. So they don't hear from God and they don't want you to hear from God because it's a question of control. Okay, I mean, let me ask you this question. When you read the Bible, if God doesn't speak to you, then why do you read the Bible? Okay, second thing, if they knew if you read the Bible, God could speak to you, why did they ban the Bible? In time, middle ages, nobody should have a Bible. You should not interpret. It's, it's, it's just a power struggle. It's a question of power. But God doesn't do such stuff like that. God gives you the liberty. Like we will counsel you, we will guide you, but ultimately we give you the, even this morning was a 40, 45 minute call before in the afternoon at four in the three in the morning, somebody from the U.S. called, going through crisis. What can I do? 
the crisis, going through a serious crisis, serious crisis. And uh, they call 50 minutes, they're asking for counsel. But the problem is, all I, I make it very clear, I will not tell you what decision to take. That's your call. Because if I tell you what to take, then the burden comes on my shoulder. It's not my burden. I will tell you what is right in this situation according to scripture. I will only give you spiritual guidance. Scripture-wise, this is, this is, this. This is, this is, this is, this is, this thing. And now you take a decision. By the end of 50 minutes, the person was very clear, okay, this is the decision I need to take. But I'm not sure whether the person has taken that decision or will take that. That is in their hands. Okay, meaning, thing is that you cannot take a decision for somebody else. You can take it for your children when they are minor. You cannot take for your children when they are major. You cannot. They have to make a decision. Sometimes when you pray for your children, when they are small, when they are ill, they get healed immediately. When they are adults, you pray for them, they don't get healed. God says, let them come on their own to me. How long are they, you, they going to, you going to carry them? It's over. He says, now they need to come to me. They are my children. They are your children too, but they are my children. They cannot come through you. Okay? So we need to understand everyone has to hear from God and the revelations is through scriptures but uh, that alone um, revelation through scripture is a big one okay it's a big one but there are also direct revelations direct revelation he speaks to you while you are in prayer he speaks to you when you are asleep he speaks to you in dreams he speaks to you in uh, visions he speaks to you in uh, prophecy he speaks to you in so many different ways different ways and if it does not happen to you it is only because you are part probably of the cessationist group where you have limited God's hands. But scripture is the foundation. Anything else you hear through any other mode has to be tested with scriptures. That is the key. The scripture has been given to us so that uh, we can test it. In the old covenant, you did not test it with scriptures. You tested it with godly men who knew their scriptures mm-hmm. because most people did not have scriptures. Mm-hmm. So they went to men who knew scriptures. That was the counsel of the wise. Who were yes. the wise? They were wise in scripture. Yes. But judges and... The, okay, wise in scripture. So you go to them, they will tell you, this is how it is written, this is it. They will write. And you know it is a godly counsel. Godly counsel is not somebody who is very old and has got white hair. It's a person who knows the scripture. Mm. And if you look at scripture and say, this is, this is, this is, this is the principles of God. Sometimes we can only give them principles, like today afternoon. What I gave was principles. You're facing an issue. These are the principles in scripture. Old Testament, New Testament principles are very clear. I put the principles forward and the principles... Are very clear. Like I said, the Bible is full of principles and promises. Okay, we don't want to say the law, but behind the law there is a principle. The law may may have gone away. The principle stays forever. It's a principle, okay, of God. It's on which the kingdom of God functions. So there are principles, and you look understand the principle. You can bank your life on it. It works. And then you look at the principle and you like to try to find out the promises connected with that principle. That is a principle over here, okay? The principle over like it is God. Let's let us look at something which will excite people. Money. Okay, money excites people, okay? <laughs> it is God who gives you the power to make wealth. It's a principle. God gives you power to make wealth. Okay? It's a principle. Then based on that principle, you have to do a study on wealth. And based on the study on wealth, you have to look for promises. There are pros and cons. 
the good and the bad. You have to look at the full picture of it. Then you go to the promises connected with that. What are the promises connected with that? Old and new. Old and new. And you, you have a doctrine. Hmm. And you can stand on that doctrine because it's established on a principle of God. You cannot take it in isolation and run around with that alone. No. You have to build a solid foundation on anything. So, And God reveals. There are reveals. And He speaks, still speaks. There are visions. There are dreams. There are prophecies. The word of knowledge. There's a question about that. The word of wisdom. All kinds of gifts operate and God speaks to you. And the whole question is, if you are a child of God, uh, as you grow, you should be hearing from God personally, not just from scripture. I mean, scripture is enough. That is enough. I'm not saying that mandatory you need to have. Sometimes God speaking through your scripture is more than enough. More than enough. Pastor, Pastor, it's definitely possible that in a believer's life, there's going to be moments. I mean, yeah. it's not that unless, of course, God calls him to appear to appear to be in a specific mm. place, and he's, there's a specific call, and he's mm. going to be there for a, for for good. That's mm. just, that's a call. But even in that, there are moments. There are moments, right? Mm. So from one moment to the other, mm. right? There has to be a intervention of God, oh God where oh God. he speak, where he's clearly giving you direction, saying that boss. That's time for you if you move to the next, from the next level, right? The Bible says when Moses came of age, he refused mm. to be the mm. Pharaoh. So mm. how did he know? Exactly. There was an intervention of God at that time, but he did not wait. He did not seek the Lord because very immature. Mm. He did not see. There was no godly counsel to seek. He didn't ask anybody. He took the call and acted on it with the sword and he had to go 40 years. 40 years later, there's a second intervention of God. Second intervention of God, and this is a completely paradigm shift yes. is taking yes. place. You know, so it shifts. It shift takes place, takes place in yeah. hours. Okay, when the shift takes place, you have to hear from God. You cannot be stagnant. Mm-hmm. This has to be continuous yes, movement. movement with God. You cannot be stagnant. I'm not talking about movement from in place terms of physically, to place. Yeah, exactly. No, you, you can be in one place. Like how many years I have been in this, this city. Yeah. But there have been movements in my life with the Spirit. You know? He's taking you from one move to another move. You know? Because with God, the movement is always higher. higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come yes. up higher. We are not boasting. We are higher. In this kingdom of God, you don't look up and, oh, you are lower than me. No, nothing like that. If you say you are lower than you look up, you will see ten thousand higher than you. Exactly, <laughs> it's a very humbling thing over there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we don't, we don't. It's not a thing, but you have to have movement in your life. You cannot be stagnant. Mm. You cannot be stagnant. And how do those movements take place? It's a very personal thing. Exactly. How does it take place? There are direct revelations. Sure of God, God has to yeah. has to speak. He speaks yeah. to you. It may be through the word. It may not be through the word at all. Let me tell you, God. How did um, God shift Peter? To start ministering to the Gentiles. It's a direct intervention. Wow. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have never gone. He would have never gone. Mm. Mm. And he had to be shown it three times. Mm. Kill and eat, kill and eat, kill and eat, kill and eat. He says, no, I've never done this before. God says, what I have cleansed, don't call it unclean. And he says, now people will come. From a man called Cornelius, go with them. Finish vision, people are there waiting. God had to directly intervene because he could have spoken to him as many times from the scripture, he would have denied it. Yes. yes. Because you would have used scripture to deny it. <laughs> you know, you can use scripture to deny yeah, it. Yeah. So God has to come and directly intervene and say, this is what scripture means. This is what it means. Okay, Because sometimes we with our limited understanding will use two swords and fight each other. Both are from the world. <laughs> 
I'm cancelling God says, you know what, you did not understand. Let me give you a revelation of what this means and that means. This is not cancelling each other. This is what it actually means. So he gives him a vision and it was at daytime. It was at daytime. It was not at night. It was in the afternoon hour when he was going to preach, when he was going to pray. Okay, that's those things upset me very much because I sleep in the afternoon. When I read that portion, I quickly go over that. <laughs> you tell me early morning, late night, Lord, I am okay. I will go to pray. Why do you have to write to other Peter when to pray in the afternoon? <laughs> well, this when I have my wonderful nap. Yes, Pastor. <laughs> Again, it says another uh, continuity of the same question. Yeah. It says in uh, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. Mm-hmm. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not mm-hmm. fit to remove his sandals. Mm-hmm. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. What does fire indicate in this context? Is the prayer to set us ablaze on his fire biblical? Okay, it is not uh, It is not uh, just that. If you go to the book of Malachi, you know, Book of Malachi, chapter two, three, chapter three. Yeah, verse one onwards, one to four. Behold, I sent my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come into his temple. Mm. Now. Is that Jesus? Yeah. No. no it's the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Okay. Jesus did not suddenly come into the temple, but when the Holy Spirit came back, so the Holy Spirit came suddenly. suddenly. Mighty. It Mighty. came. And remember, it came in the form of fire. Mm. It came in the tongues of fire. He came as cloven tongues of fire. Suddenly came into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Who is the Lord of hosts? Jehovah Shabbat. Mm. That, that is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is telling the mm. Holy Spirit will suddenly come. And who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? Why? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. Okay. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. So what is the fire doing here? The first thing the fire does it, it cleanses us. Mm. It cleanses us. Okay. The, the, that's a baptism of the fire. It cleanses us. And the symbolic picture you see there is in the book of Acts chapter 2. It came as cloven tongues of fire. Why? Because the first thing to make a perfect man, James 3 and verse 1, we all stumble in many ways. But if a man does not stumble, Okay, if you look over there, James chapter 3, 3 and verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to also to bridle the whole body. Now I want you to come to verse 6. The tongue is all, and tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. That is the nature of every man when he is born. His tongue is set on fire by hell. Why? Because it's talking about the fire. Your tongue will determine your destiny. Mm. What you, what, out of the heart proceeds all things, but it comes out of the mouth. As long as it has not come out of the mouth, it is still not valid. Once it comes out of the mouth, it be, it has its power. So Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. The most dangerous and most important organ in the body is ultimately the tongue. Mm. And that's what verse 3 was talking, like an entire ship, massive ship, small little rudder. It changes the whole course. And this tongue can take you to heaven or it can take you to hell. Mm. 
So when the Holy Spirit is coming upon the the 120 gathered over here, it comes as cloven. Why? It's fire taking out fire. Exactly. How do firefighters the, fight? They light another fire. fire. Now there's a fire from heaven. It's cancelling out the fire from hell. Mm-hmm. Why? The Bible says so over there. Verse 9. Verse 8 and 9. Okay, verse 8 and 9. No man can tame the tongue, but God can. No man can tame, but God can. Mm-hmm. With it we bless our God and Father. With it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Okay, so he says that's that's a forked tongue. That is why it is called cloven tongue. Cloven tongue. Who is the only creature we know very clearly has cloven tongue? It's the devil. So when we believed the devil and we followed him knowingly, unknowingly, our tongue became cloven. We speak both things. We praise God and we curse men. We speak. And God says, I have to make your tongue whole. Make our tongue whole. That is where the baptism of fire comes. The first baptism of the fire is what is God is doing is He's making our heart whole, He's making our mind whole, and then our tongue will become whole. You cannot just do what the word of faith movement says. Your heart is one way, mind is one way, you're just confessing, name and claim it. No. Your heart has to be made whole first. That's why He gives you a new heart. He gives you a new heart, takes the old heart of flesh away, gives you a new heart. Second thing, our mind is being constantly transformed by the word of God. Mind has to be transformed. Heart is made new, mind is being renewed over and over again, and our conversation will change. It will change. But what is that work doing? It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. It is cleansing us. The Mm. fire of the Holy Spirit is, it's the refiner's fire. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire, like a launderer's soap. Verse 3. He will sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver. Who will he purify? The sons of Levi. Basically the priesthood. And today in the new covenant we are called a royal priesthood. What is he doing them? He will purge them as gold and silver. For what? So that they may offer to the Lord an offering in our, in righteousness. Ultimately, you need to realize the primary offering that we offer to God is through our words. That's about Jesus. There was no deceit found in his mouth. Absolutely no deceit. He did. He's the only man who walked on earth who never erred with his tongue. Erred with his tongue. And that's a, offer a sacrifice of praise. Okay, with our tongue. That is our, that is our duty, right? It's Hebrews 1315 or something, right? 1315, yes. Yeah, 1315, no? We are, we, our words matter to God because God created every, everything through His, therefore by Him. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, mm-hmm. giving thanks to His name. It does not mean we go around praising God, no. But every word that we utter to each other, everything should not bring shame to him, yeah. should bring glory yeah. to him. No, even our humor yeah. should not be something which puts shame to him. It should bring glory to him. Everything, okay? That's how we, the sacrifice. Does it happen overnight? Does it happen in a few months? Does it happen in a new, in a year, a year or two? No. It happens as the Holy Spirit is constantly cleansing our hearts, our minds, and our tongue. So that is the first thing. The second thing the fire it is talking is about is zeal. Mm. 
It is sealed. Jesus was on fire for Father. Jeremiah said, I don't want to talk, but I have to talk. It's like fire shut up in my bones. The, the apostles, the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus said, when he was speaking to us, didn't our hearts burn? Okay, So we have to. Timothy's fire has gone down. So Paul is saying, you know what? You have a gift. The problem is not with your gift. The gift is still there. Your fire has gone Fan back to flames. Hot and cold. Okay. Yeah. We have to fan it back. Mm. You tell the Laodicean church, yes, no. either be on fire no. or be cold. Yeah. The church cannot be cold. It cannot be lukewarm. Mm. It has to be on fire. And what do we do? We have to do what the Bible talks about and says, God, start that fire all over again in me, Lord. You started the fire. Kindle it back. And what I need to do, I will do. We yes. go into a fast. We praise. We Amen. worship. Amen. We study the word. Amen. And we see the zeal comes back. Yes. And that's what he's telling the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. You have lost your fire. That is the first love. First love is crazy love. Mm-hmm. He says, you lost your fire. Mm. Peter, for everything, smiles like an expert. Today he was talking about labor pains and all. <laughs> <laughs> Peter is cute because he's on fire when he worships. Okay, Okay. so there's a fire, and we know what it is. And God says, you know what? Now we have become very mechanical. Mm. Mechanical. No, you can become very mechanical in your marriage, and you know, no. I mean, between two spouses, especially the women, women notice that very fast. We may not notice it very much, but they notice it very much. If you if you ask them, well, what did I do wrong? And they will say nothing. Mm. But you are not right. <laughs> Why? Because they say, something is missing. What is missing? The fire is missing. I do everything which I did before, I do more. But you don't care like before. You don't care, like the fire is missing. And you know, where did they get it from? They got it from God. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the church in Ephesus, what is wrong with that church? Oh. If you could find a church like today somewhere, you would be saying, thank you Lord, this is a good authentic church over here. God is not happy with them. He says, you are right in everything. You are absolutely on the spot. Every ministry of yours is on the spot. But one thing, you have lost your fire. You have lost your first love. You have lost your first love. And we have to allow the Holy Spirit. So one is cleansing. The other is that we should never lose our zeal for mm. God. One of the worst things to see is a, it's a Christian who has no zeal. And zeal, zeal is recognized whether you are in the world or whether you are in the church. Yes. Zeal is recognized. You go to an office, they will look at you and you will see some zealous workers. No. Zealous fire workers. On fire. The management uh-huh. notices them immediately. This guy is zealous. This guy is zealous. He's good. It's not your degree they are looking at. It is, and some other persons you will look at that is very efficient, but no zeal at all. It's efficient with no zeal. The other guy may not be very efficient like this, but he has zeal. And sometimes you know when the company needs a breakthrough, it comes from the zealous fellow. Because he's zealous and he goes home and he's also worrying about it. No, that thing didn't crack. The other fellow has finished his work, wrapped his back, thank you, and he's gone home. He's not worrying about anything. But this fellow is worrying because he's jealous. <laughs> he's jealous. And he breaks through. Okay. And the same thing has to be there in the kingdom of God. Okay, I finished my service. That is okay. Thank you, Lord. Now my weekend is, my week is free. No. You have to be zealous for mm. the Lord. There are issues in the kingdom. There are a lot of things that happen. There is uncertainty of Lord. We need an answer. We need an answer. Mm. That is what the Bible is talking about. And Timothy was a boy mm. who is a young man who lost his zeal. Lost his zeal. I, I mean, it's, and Paul is not a pastor who will tolerate people who have no zeal. 
Let's look at one simple thing. Well, there's nobody who does not want to be rich. So money gives you a lot of freedom. So you learn all the things about wealth from the Bible. You're a righteous man. You keep the law, meaning, I mean, I talk of the law, I mean the spirit of the law. And you meditate upon the, all the promises connected with wealth. You confess all the things of the wealth of this thing. And the simple question is, God looks at you and he knows. If this guy gets, becomes wealthy, five years from the line, he's gone, he's finished. And he doesn't prosper you. Hmm. The problem is not the wealth. The problem is the wealth. There are very few people in human history in the church who could handle wealth. Because wealth automatically gives you autonomy from God in this world. But so many things, you don't need God. Money can solve it. That is the problem with wealth. That's why God says you cannot serve God and mammon. Let's put mammon as money. You cannot serve it both. But can you handle it is the question. So when you are talking about positivity and all, we have to be very, very careful with the word of faith movement. That's what has happened to the word of faith movement. They started, they took the sovereignty of God away. Hmm. The sovereignty of God away. If uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were word of faith movement, they would say that the fire will go out. The statue will fall down. Okay, But that's not what they say. They say, you know what? We know what we should do. What God will do, we will not tell him that he's sovereign. If he wants to save us from the fire, he can save us from the fire. But in the word of faith movement, uh, the fire never burns you. The lions never kill you. Never kill you. But that's where Hebrews 10.35 goes wrong. Turns, flips the queen. The women receives their dead. Others did not. Mm. Others did not. They were rescued from the mouth of the lions. But that's not the history of the church. Most of them were eaten by the lions. Eaten by the lions. So we have to. Because what happens is, all that you read about here, it's about God. The word you are meditating is His word. The law He's talking about is His law. Mm. To walk in it is His ways. What you are speaking is what He has said. It is about Him. But He cannot take His will out of it. You cannot take his will out of it. Will out of it. You cannot take his sovereignty out of it. He cannot take his lordship out of it. And if you take your lordship out of it and you push this, mm. I'm not saying it will not happen. If it happens, definitely it is judgment. Oh. If it goes against the will of God, mm. it becomes judgment. It becomes judgment. So you have to be very, very careful about it. Yet, should we meditate upon the law day and night? Yes. Should we speak the word? Yes. We are not. We need do not have to verbatim quote the word of God. Then people will not understand what we are saying, especially <laughs> if it's KJV. <laughs> what we say should should agree with the word of God. What is what we say should agree with the God. That I believe. Everything that we say should agree with the word of God. Okay. And that's a second question God asked Adam and Eve in the garden. Who told you? Who told you? I was naked and ashamed. He said, Who told you? Who told you? No, who told you? He said, Who told you you are naked? Okay, who told you these things? Okay. So we should be able to say, You told me. It is written. It is written. Okay, and with the devil, it's good to quote the scripture, but with man, you need to speak according to the word of God, not the word of God, but according to the word of God, because ultimately, Bible says we'll be judged by our words. Okay, so that is, that is what it's talking about. 
power of positivity and speaking. When you're talking about speaking things into existence that was in there, it is talking about Romans 4. Mm. Okay, it's talking about Romans 4 and... Calling those things that are not... Yeah, that is... Abraham. Got it? 20. No. No, it's not 20. Uh, yeah, words uh, 17. 17, yeah. Words 17. Okay. For as it is written, I have made you a father of many, in who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Hmm. As they did. Okay, as they did. But you need to realize, if God has spoken to you, and you know God has spoken to you, before you see its manifestation, you will have to speak to it. No? I have to speak. You have, that's, I mean, it's a very personal thing. It's a very personal thing. So I will not question it about anybody. It's a very personal thing. I will not make it into a doctrine for the whole church. I'll make it a, but let me tell you, when one of my sons, Andrew, was conceived, okay, there's no, you know, scanning, no scanning, or when scanning is, you don't know the gender of your child, do you know? You don't know. You don't know the gender of your child. In the same way, I did not know the gender of my child. But the Lord had told me four years earlier that I will give you a son. I'll give you a son. And he told me, you shall name him Andrew. Okay? So, I said, it's a boy. If it's a girl, I am a fool. I said, it's a boy. Okay? The doctor said, the child will be born on April the 11th. The Lord told me he'll be born on March the 25th. Okay? I will tell you, because I'm in another city. He said, we'll be born on March the 25th. So, the doctor said, April the 11th. So, what did I do? The mother is not with me. So, on March the 23rd, I left. Third, I left. I didn't leave. I didn't leave for April. I left on March 23rd. 24th night, I reached. 25th early morning, he was born. And it was a boy. But the thing is that when I am leaving the church, the church where I was in, I was leaving the church, there's a regiment that is shifting out. Uh, engineer's regiment is moving from there to Punjab. And suddenly 18 or 20 people says they want to get baptized. <coughs> so that entire week I was teaching them. I baptized all of them. And that was my last Sunday, not my last Sunday, their last Sunday with me, because when I come back, they would be gone. So I gave them all sweets, and they said, Pastor, why is this sweet? Because we are going. I said, no, because my son will be born next week. My son will be born next week. So you won't be here. So I'm sharing my joy with you for my son. So they all ate. Was my son born? No. Not yet. Hmm. Not yet. Not yet. But I, I had heard very, very clearly, very, very clearly that it is a boy and he will be born on March the 25th. And March the 25th morning he came. It was a boy. Okay. Now what did you do? You call those things which do not exist as they did. Why? Not because you are God, but because God has spoke to you. And I'm saying, Lord, I will not doubt what you have said. I will not doubt what you have said. I will not doubt what you have said. Amen. You will not doubt what you have said. You have said, now I am standing on what you have spoken to me. So if it doesn't work out, either I didn't, the only thing I can say is that I didn't hear right. I will still not question you. Mm. 
you are always true. You cannot change. You will never lie to me. I did not hear right. Mm-hmm. That's all. But if I heard right, and I believe I heard right, this is what it is. I speak it out. That is what it means. And we don't intervene into people's personal, you know, we don't question that. It's not of my business what uh, God speaks to an individual. If you have heard and you are absolutely sure about it in this case, go ahead. Go ahead. But when it affects others, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. We need we seek the face of God. We seek counsel. I'm talking about very personal thing. This thing is something which matter to me alone. Matter to me alone. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So there are instances in so many people's life. There are different other instances in my life. You know, absolutely true, absolutely true. And I heard from God, and it it came just. And I once I heard from God. You don't see. This is the thing. When it is talking about these things, once you have heard from God, your confession is the evidence you have believed Him. Yes. Your confession is the evidence you have believed him. And that's why God is upset with Joshua. When I defeats them, he falls on his face, cries just like his old generation. Mm. Why did you bring us here? It was better. He said, get up from your face. He's not sympathetic. He said, get up. My word still stands. What is my word I told you? If you obey my law, if you don't turn to the left or the right, yeah. if you walk in it, if you does mm. not come from your mouth, you will never be defeated. Yeah. You will be prosperous. Mm. If you are defeated here, something. there's something yeah. wrong over here. Get up from your face and get deal with that. Victory will come back. His yeah. confession changed and God was not happy with him. He shouldn't have been fallen on his face. He should have gone to God and said, Lord, there's something wrong over here. Mm. Something is wrong over here. I will not doubt you. I will not doubt you. You are not a man that you should lie. You promised yes. me in this this conquest is going to be victory only, no defeat. So, your word stands. Somewhere, something has gone wrong. Did I go wrong? Did the leadership go wrong? Did anybody in Israel go wrong? Lord, show me. That's how we should have gone. How we should have gone. You know, that's what I'm talking about. When God has spoken to you something, you need to go back to God and speak. Go to God and ask. And say, it's confirmed, speak it out. You don't have to go and speak it out in crowds and all. Yes. It is your personal confession. Yes. Somebody asks, you say, this is it. This is it. Yes, Pastor. Pastor, it's very important to have the have the precedence that you hear and therefore you speak. Mm. I mean, I'm, I just wanted to tell people that yeah. they should hear the yes. answer out properly so they that should, don't... No? don't. And I'm also, I'll out. also tell to people is that mm. you need to be surrendered. Exactly. You need right. to be yeah. surrendered. You should be open okay. to the will of God. Because an unsurrendered life will hear many voices. Yes. Okay. Surrendered, I'm saying, I'm not saying perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying perfect. What I'm meaning by surrendered is that if God tells you to go, you will go. That is what it means. That is a surrendered life. Yeah. Abraham was a surrendered man. He was not a perfect man. Mm-hmm. Many years later, God is still saying, walk before me and blameless. But you could not question his surrender. surrender. Yes. Could not question his surrender. And that's what God is looking for. God is not looking for, I'm, I'm, say, I'm putting, I'm sticking my tongue out. Uh, sorry, not tongue, my head, <laughs> neck out. <laughs> tongue out, mm-hmm. neck out. God is not primarily in the beginning looking for perfect people or even blameless people. Yeah. He's looking for surrendered people. 
Because surrendered people, he can make them blameless. And blameless people, he can make them perfect. But first thing is surrender. That's yeah. what Romans 12 says. Surrender. What is Romans 12, 1 and 2? It is surrender. That's what but it says. Also says, that if there be first a willing mind, mind. and no. then... It is yeah. If you're willing and, and obedient. That willingness is... A surrender is very, very important. Mm. Because that's how his son came. When his son came, behold, in the volume of the book, it is written upon me. I have come to do your will. He came with surrender. He came. In that twinkling of a microsecond, whenever it happened, when he from heaven got into Mary's womb, in, in between the confession was made, I've come to do your will. Mm. Act of surrender and he becomes a human embryo. Okay, And he from all the way till, all the way till the cross, it is thy will. In the and volume of the book that is written. The volume of the book it is written upon me. Okay, it is written. And that's what God is talking about. And that is where we have to keep going back. Because we, that's why it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning it's daily. It's a daily sacrifice. You Today you will feel very good in this ambience, in this atmosphere. You will feel very good. Yeah. I, I, I feel so surrendered because the ambience is good. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a group of believers, ministry is going on, you feel good. But later in the night, early in the morning, when you wake up, especially if you have to wake up early in the morning, you don't feel so surrendered. <laughs> no? But you surrender. <laughs> you surrender. Okay? And you get up. And then you realize it starts moving. And through the day, you will face so many things. And you will realize you have to surrender. You know, certain things upset you. You know, certain things upset you. And what are you going to surrender to that mood? Or you will realize how many times a day we are faced with situations where we have to choose to what am I? Because either way you will surrender to one or the other. One Either you will surrender, the other you will succumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately it is there. Either you surrender to the spirit of God or you will surrender to the spirit of this world. The spiritual realm is going to control you anyway. So every day through the day this goes on. And that's how it is. Yes, Pastor Vijay. We'll Pastor, take one more question. This is the last part of that question, Pastor. And okay. then I think we should be, we should stop and yeah. we can go to the next, uh, maybe next week we can handle this, the other one. Uh, Jesus being the son of God laid aside his privileges, but not his divinity. Instead, instead he took human nature. Hmm. But this is presently different where Jesus came as a mere man and filled and operated in the Holy Spirit, which is incorrect, isn't it? What, I'm, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what, as to what, what the, the question is. What being the, laid aside, but this is presently different, meaning right now what he is. Yeah, right now what he is, is completely different. He's, see, uh, theologians will say he was fully divine and fully human. I believe that. But I also believe it with, uh, uh, with, uh, with a writer saying that Jesus emptied himself of a lot of things. And he was entirely dependent upon his father. I believe when he was walking on earth, he didn't know a lot of things unless the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Revealed mm. it to him. And he says that. He says that. He says, no one knows. Thus, in the question, let me ask you this question. Before he incarnated, did he not know when he was coming the second time? If he does not know, then he is not God. Oh, yeah. Mm. Because God is all-knowing by definition. He's God is all-knowing. He knew. He, he Doesn't he know now? He, he knows. knows. Hmm. But in the middle, he did not know. Hmm. He did not know. Hmm. He did not know. Okay. And I do believe, uh, let me ask you a simple question. If you, in, the, in his human form, in divinity, 
he knew everything. He, I mean, when he came in as a man, if he knew everything, then why did he have to pray? Why do we pray? Because we don't know. Exactly. One of the major reasons we pray is because we do not know. Should I do this? Or hmm? yeah. Shall I do this? What should I do? How this? Is? So he did not know. He did not know. Hmm. A lot of things. He did. And is it because does that mean he was not God? No, he was God. But as God, he did only what God can do. Hmm. No? There are certain things which God can do. Only God can do. Let me ask, tell Raj, forget. He cannot forget. But God says, I don't remember. He doesn't remember. <laughs> that is what, see, that is the difference between God and He says, I do not remember. He chose not to remember. Okay? So, God can voluntarily choose not to know. Okay? Does that mean the Godhead doesn't know? No. The Godhead knows. The Father knows. The Spirit knows. The Son has voluntarily decided, I don't want to know. I will be entirely dependent upon my father through the spirit. The spirit knows. So the question is, a simple question asked is, Jesus says, only the father knows. Does that mean the spirit doesn't know? No, the spirit knows, because the spirit searches the heart of the father. Mm-hmm. Okay? That is where these oneness Pentecostals come and they fight over, mess it up. Uh-huh. They are good people, they are very good people. But <laughs> with this one thing, they will say there is only one. There is no father, son, spirit, it is all one. It is Jesus. Okay, but it doesn't work that way too if you look at scripture. If you look at scripture. Okay, look at scripture. <coughs> so you need to understand right now it is not the same. Right now he's the son. He's 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 got a form. He's got a body. The only difference between Jesus before he came and Jesus now is that he's got a form, he's got a body. Because he became the firstborn of many for our sake. The question is, was he born? Was he born? Yes. Mm. Before he was born, he was never born. He was a self-existing God. But for our sake, he was born. And now he has a body, a form mm. like ours. For our sake, what divinity, what God went through for mm. the sake of man. Mm. Even angels crashed mm. their heads and said, I don't know whether, thank God there is no jealousy among them. They were saying, why did you do it for them and didn't do it for us? The angel minds <laughs> inquire no more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there is that part of it. So, I, I personally believe that when Jesus walked on earth, he limited himself. I would put it that way. He limited himself and entrusted himself completely to his father on a day-to-day basis. And father revealed to him. Certain things he revealed him in advance. Certain things he revealed, like when they came to the feeding of the 5,000, the Bible says. No, that is, he knew what he was, was going to do. do. The father has. That's why I tell pastors, don't take it and start trying to multiply bread. It won't work. <laughs> it won't work. Did God tell you? God tell you. A lot of people do stupid things. People have drowned in lakes, you know, when they try to walk on water. <laughs> okay. Jesus did it. I will also. Did God tell you? I tell you, I know. <laughs> Jesus didn't did a certain things. He didn't do it all the time. <laughs> all the time. I mean, Jesus went in a boat, and he, most of the time he went in boats. He walked once on water. Why didn't he walk on water all the time? Because he was not told. <laughs> he was not told. So you see, he limited him in so many ways. I mean, we would. I mean, if we had become like Jesus, we would walk on because we just want to show off. <laughs> we would walk on water, float in air. And Jesus is not like that. Most of the time he humbled himself. He got into boats and he was tired. He went across the boat and all that is what he did. So we need to understand Jesus. I personally believe he did not know. Not because he could not know. Mm. 
then he is not God. He could know. But he chose. He chose not to know. Why? For our sake. Because why? We cannot know. We cannot know. How do we know? We don't know. So what do we do? Trust God completely and rely on His Spirit. So for our sake, He showed us a way. Mm. Did He have to go that way? No. But He said, I'm showing you a way. This is how you need to live. We can trust my Father 100%. Implicitly. Implicitly, you can trust my Father. Mm. And you can commit yourself to the Spirit. Mm. And as the Spirit led me, you also will be led. And I was the Son of God. You will be called the sons of God. He was showing us that. Mm. And that's how I believe. I don't believe in when they say that Jesus, when he was walking on earth, he knew everything. I don't believe. Could he have known everything? Yes. yes. Did he know everything? No. Why? Because he chose not to for our sake. That is where he, he limited himself. There's an incident in John's Gospel where he says, uh, uh, whom are you looking for? And he says, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. Yeah. And for a moment he shows what he's... He's uh, yeah. Somebody said, he says, the real power is not in showing off, but real power is in a way in contain, containing and restraining. Yeah, in restraining. It. Restraining. How it. you restrain it. No? That's exactly what it that did. he did. No, this thing. So, uh, let me ask this question. Why did he pray in the Garden of Gethsemane? Hmm. The conflict of... Honestly, mm-hmm. what kind of a nonsensical prayer is that? No, not about my will and your will. Father, take this cup away from me. I mean, what? You don't? You don't? That the cup cannot be taken away? You don't? Okay. I mean, think about it. Does it make sense, his prayer? He's still limited, personally, and he's still asking God, asking God, why did he have to go through that? Why? Teaching us, Mm. teaching us. You see, I will tell you what is actually going over there. Scripture says, if I'm I'm right in the book of Gospel according to Luke 22, it's in 22, 22. Luke 22, and uh, verse 44, Luke 22, 44. And being in agony, agony. Uh, you know what's the Greek word agony means? Actually, means over there in great fear. Great fear. You know why? Temptation is not wrong. This is the only time in his entire life he's in great fear, and he overcomes fear. Why? For our sake. Hmm. For our sake. In great fear, he prayed more earnestly. Great fear, torment. Being in agony, being in torment. He prayed. You know? He prayed. Because fear is one of our biggest issues. And what does Hebrews 4.15 says? We have a high priest who sympathizes with us because he was tempted at all. all points. So if he does not know what is fear, mm. he will not understand us when we go through fear. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with all of our weaknesses, but was in all points... Please don't misunderstand temptation has sin. No, temptation is not sin. Succumbing to temptation is sin. So where was Jesus tempted with fear? So that he understands when I say, Lord, I am afraid. He says, I understand. Where? In the Garden of Gethsemane. He was agonizing. He was tormented. But he did not give in. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) He was not... <laughs> All things are possible with Sammy too. 
<laughs> okay. So on that note, we need to understand what all Jesus went through for our sake. Okay. For our sake. And all these things he didn't have to. Because God, he didn't have to do any of these things. But for our sake, he went through all this because as Peter says, he was showing us a way. Mm. And we should follow in his footsteps. Okay. Because if he used his divinity to overcome, then we have no way. Mm-hmm. To follow. We have no way to follow. How do we follow? Then make me like God. Then I can also overcome God says no. I became man and showed you how we can trust my father implicitly, rely on my spirit implicitly, and you can overcome. And that's where I believe he emptied himself. Not that he could not know, but he chose not to know a lot of things. Chose not to know a lot of things and trusted his father to reveal him. Hallelujah. Amen. So much of hope. <laughs> so much of hope. Hallelujah. That's right. <laughs> Outside of Jesus, you have no hope. No, so and when you look hope. at him, you have hope for victory. Yes. He showed us a way. He showed us a way. This day. He says, if I can do it, you can do it. And people will say, but he can do it. He was God. He says, no, I was man. I was fully God and fully man. I mean, it's remarkable that he says that Jesus increased in wisdom. How can God increase? What can you add to God? But that is how... Yeah, please, I mean, the whole simple again, the hypothetical question is that if he knows everything, why should he increase in wisdom? It states that I can understand. But wisdom... How can he increase in wisdom when he knows everything? Wow. It's all wisdom. How does he increase? Incredible. That is hope. That is hope. <laughs> that is where he shows us. He shows us this is the way. Because otherwise there is no hope for us. There is no Amen. hope for us. Amen. Where is our hope for victory come from? It is by the way he showed us. He showed us. Actually, way. in the morning I was thinking about it. I was thinking, um, see, it's so difficult to be like Jesus. But one thing he always did early in the morning, he just cried out and he said, Lord, you are the one who is able to save me from, me from death. death. The one thing that we can do is we can also cry out. Yes. <laughs> that, is, that is simple that we can save that me from death. Just, Lord, save, save me, Lord. That comes save from, from save death that comes from sinning. I mean, to be in the all these areas. Yeah. Yeah. You can cry out. We can cry and out. he cried out. If and he, he cried out. And, and he showed us that is how we can actually... Actually, he showed us a way in everything. That's why he said, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. He doesn't say, I will show you the way. He doesn't say that. Hmm. I will show you the way. Because it's a whole lot of difference between those two statements. I will show you the way and I am the way. His hmm. pattern, his life is the way. You know, And if he was acting practically as 100% divine when he was walking on earth, then how is he the way for me? Hmm. How does he show me the way? Because I'm not that. Hmm. I'm not that. But if the other side is true, then I have great hope. He was fully man. Mm. He emptied his divinity away, relied on his father completely, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him on a day-to-day basis. Some things he knew by advance, some things he chose not to know, and you realize, which is true, some things we know by advance, many things we do no, not no, no, know. No. This yes. is the end of my life. And, and, like I said, ultimately the most important part is trust. So I was thinking what one thing that we can take away from today's Q&A is, if you have a surrendered life, you're protected. Yeah. You're, you're protected. protected. Absolutely. But again, with protection, I'll put a rider. I mean, what I mean, all these can... all these words have different meanings, meanings in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Protected means your soul is protected. Yeah, exactly. Nobody will touch your soul. Nobody can touch your soul. Your soul will be protected. God is not guaranteeing your body will not. Body, be touched. exactly. Yeah, sure. And the body is irrelevant. It mm. does not matter. You know, but your soul is protected. Mm. You will not be deceived. Amen. The greatest danger is not the danger to the body, it's the danger to the, the soul. soul. You will yes. not be deceived. 
you cannot be deceived mm. because God is protecting your soul. Amen. Amen. We shall pray. Father, we just thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. We thank you for today, we thank you for the Q&A, we thank you for your children who ask these questions, Lord. Help us, Lord, help us. If we have erred anywhere, Lord, I have erred anywhere, I pray, Lord, you correct the hearers, Lord. Yes. We believe we were true to the word and true to the spirit. Oh, Father, all we praise, teach us to surrender each day, Lord. Mm. Teach us to be willing, Lord, every day and obedient. Just not to be obedient outwardly and not willing. Mm. Willing and obedient, Lord, so that we will enjoy your life, Lord. Mm. Experience your life and enjoy that life, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We commit the rest of the night into the hands. If you tarry to come tonight, you give us another day in the land of the living. I pray, Lord, we true will be able to say like the psalmist, like David, I was glad, very glad, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Gladly, Lord, we'll come to your house. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. By faith, I plead the blood of Jesus over all your children everywhere. Protect them, Lord. Those who are going into the night, protect us from the dangers of the night. Those who are going into the day, protect them from the dangers of the the day, day, Lord. For your word has promised us, the sun shall not smite us by day, nor the moon by night. Mm. For the God of Israel, our God, neither sleeps nor slumbers. He will not cause your foot to be moved. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. We trust you, our hope is in you, our faith is in you, Lord. And we just want to say we love you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. Praise God.